By the way, people, in case you're wondering about my morale, Sam has found these Icelandic beers. I don't know, I think he stole them from his mother or something, and they have me in a good psychic place. It tastes more or less like most other beers I've had, but, you know, it's a tall boy. It was free. And really, I think free tall boys are the essence of enjoying modern life. That or... I don't know, what other pleasures are exclusive to the modern world? Before we get to our, like, main thing here, what are some just pure good things about the modern world, other than just being able to get a fucking vaccine for X disease before it's killed off half of the global population? Those little jackets that dogs wear, uh, and the fact that they are called <laughs> smooths. I don't think those used to be a thing. Yep. Uh, and, you know, just... Just sitting there outside the subway and watching a little Italian greyhound go by in a turtleneck. The first, just uncomplicated joy right there. The first time you introduced the word snood to me, at first it, it sounded like an automatopoeia to me, like a comic sound effect. Like like someone slides down a hallway making a little skit effect just says snood. <laughs> and then I thought it actually sounds a bit more like nudes sent on Reddit. Which took me a second to get, but... <laughs> yeah, those little jackets are definitely a benefit of modern existence. I think there's the fact that a human being can basically make a game in his basement. That a human being can make a game in his basement or acquire, if not the little piece of paper that says that you were educated, then an education just by sitting at his computer as long as they were doing it right. That is good business. That is good business. Although um, it is easy to fuck that up. <laughs> Let's see. Um, you basically don't have to lose a friend unless you want to. Yes. Although, God, the price that we paid for that. Yeah, I mean, I liked democratic stability as that well, That was too. fun. That was fun. I liked... That shit was dope. I liked, you know, being able to watch an election and be like, okay, well, you know, if this doesn't go our way, then, you know, maybe some... Maybe things... I won't like things for the next couple of years, but, you know, we can try again in four. That was... Yeah, that that's, was fun. That's a, that's a heavy toll. This day extracts a heavy toll. I just, I imagine just it being, what, the 1950s, Ike Eisenhower wins, and then, you know, all the Democrats are like, ah, oh, darn it. Well, moving on. I, I really would like to see an election that my side loses and think to myself, ah, oh, darn. Oh, yeah. They if got I could, us. If I could just say the words like shucks or I uh, should have just uh, toned up those campaign ads a little. Instead of just looking out the window and hearing ashes on the fire and speed are stamping down the fucking home across the street from me. Mm. Oh, speaking of which, it's annual Spotify come to Jesus season and not really so much come to Jesus as it ties your fucking hands behind your back, puts a hood over <laughs> your head and brings you before Jesus. At which point they pull the hood out off of your head and Jesus shows you who you are whether you like it or not how many loops of ashes on the fire are it you it was in? a lot of them it was a lot of them you know what I, I like am disproportionately represented by the fucking Al Noah Zero soundtrack which is still Sawano fantastic soundtrack I think it's just because I'm a sci-fi monkey, like, deep down at heart. Like, I make a lot of jokes, but I set a lot of those jokes in space. Mm -hmm. And if you sat both of my children deep down in front of me on their knees, I'd slowly <laughs> put the Sophie's Choice slash meme Wesley Snipes gun up to the back of Humor's head and say, I'm sorry, baby. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
he did a fantastic job on the uh, on the Elden Ring Zero soundtrack, no doubt. It wasn't actually him on uh, Attack on Titan Season Four Part One. That was Cody Yamamoto. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, good. Oh, good on um, Yamamoto. Doing there. a pretty fantastic emulation of his style, honestly. Yeah. So when it comes to all this positivity about modernity that I want to shoehorn into the front side of this episode, it's so that I don't seem ancient. I'm 30, which is dying, but not ancient. I'm 29, which is I'm about to be dying, but not ancient. (laughs) And as I just watch a lot of things from my hospital bed, EKG machine dooting in the background... You know, we we come to certain trends, and a lot of trends are good. Seasonal anime. We lose a bit of long-term booking, sort of, but we've gained a lot just in terms of what we can try out with shows. Sure. I think if there's anything that I do not like about seasonal anime, it is seeing something promising die on the vine. Because, you know, yeah. that was a thing that I always have had to endure over here in the States, that it never seemed like I had to when I was watching anime, because at the very least, there was going to be, like, 26 episodes of it, and often 50 we're going to need a new word for that. We're going to have to call that getting primed or something. Getting streaming serviced. Getting serviced, yeah. And that's not the trend we're talking about here today. Today, um, this is actually from uh, Sam's brain, so, you know. What send... we were talking about yesterday, yeah. when I was getting really fucking pissy about waifus. <laughs> they are easy to get pissy about in the current spectrum because they have dug in and doubled down into the collective weed brain. I don't want to say that they've dominated the culture, but they've become, like, such a unavoidable part of it, and definitely inextricable one as well, that it, you know, annoys me even when I am trying to not be annoyed. It and is, I do try not to be annoyed. It is pretty tangible, and I think when you really start to feel the market forces on your balls is when... It's even, like, a good, I don't know, critically hoity-toity, whatever kind of work. And there's just a waifu kind of character. This I'm a moody guy. I was talking about how, you know, Bunny Girl Senpai, right, is a fantastic subversion of, like, ooh, you think this was just going to be, like, a flat-out waifu show, right? Yeah. And then, you know, my Sakurajima is sort of almost mathematically calculated to give you, like, both a, you know, physical boner and a heart boner as well. The whole Bunny Girl Senpai reminds me of a... I watch a lot of old movies because I I just love wasting fucking time. Oh, and fucking Ochako. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I... So... I watch old movies because I love wasting fucking time. Mm -hmm. And I um, have a lot of old ad posters and shit because I love wasting fucking time. And something... Only gaming really does this now. Sure. But something that they love to do is if they made, like, a brainy movie or a movie that just wasn't quite normal, but they... Because, you know, they believed in art, which is stupid. Really, <laughs> art. Something they do is they would just make their weird movie, but when it came marketing time, it's just ass out. <laughs> and not literally ass out, but it's, like, banking on sex appeal that does not exist in the product. Known to happen, Certainly. And whenever the waifu thing slips its way into serious work, I kind of think about that shit. I do wonder. Yeah, I'm... But the waifus are not the topic of the hour. Believe it or not. I mean, they'll be a topic of the hour. But today, we are talking just about dumb 
dumb shit that's dumb basically fucking bullshit. <laughs> In anime, stupid anime bullshit. I talk about stupid anime bullshit all the time on this fucking podcast, and now we get an episode about it because I thought that it bored discussion, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's sab time, and specifically stupid bullshit that's been grandfathered into anime and only anime, like, they are exclusively sort of newish anime problems. Some of them are. Newer than others, I would say. Okay, yeah, I think a few uh, Eternals got in here, though. Some of the ones that are Eternal in here, I think, have intensified or has gotten more blunt object in a way. Yes, I would say so. I think I decided to talk about this because stuff relating to it has come up so often on the last couple of episodes that we've done. Mm-hmm. Really, a whole lot in the last two that I thought it deserved really its own um, its own episode to really talk about. I think that we should just start by going back to our isekai shooting gallery days, which, by the way, congratulations to the isekai authors of the world. You just churned that shit out enough that we got tired of stomping on your neck. I... Do you know what an achievement it is to, like, make the person beating you have sore knuckles? Like, just looking at their cracked, bruised hands, like, oof. I should have lotioned or something before I did this. It speaks to the fact that I'm getting older, that I'm less angry at Isekai now. Not because I hate it any less, but just because I've run out of energy to hate it. (laughs) You know, if you squint, you can pretend it's maturity, but it, uh... It might just be a need for more cardio. I can't... It's hard to put them on it, but... On the Isekai front, Mm -hmm. I wanna... A specific thing we have on this list is... And this is what I was sort of thinking about when it's it's sort of an older thing, but it's gotten dumber in its newer applications. Mm-hmm. Power levels have become such a blunt object, and here's where I think we lost our way. Here's I do a lot of like I like to format bend in my writing a lot, mm-hmm. and sometimes just bringing in something that's traditionally associated with something else is a cool way to filter something complicated quickly or set a certain tone. Or I'll just make the work weird. But this power level thing, universally cribbed from video games. In video games, they have, like, a tangible purpose. Yeah, it's it's to help you. It's to help you, the player. Uh, often to help you, the player, know what your limits are. And let me tell you something about your action manga. Or anime. Or even... I don't know, there's some cross, maybe there's some crossing streams, where's a comic, whatever. I fucking guarantee you, unless you are the vacationing motherfucker that writes Hunter x Hunter, your battle system is not complicated enough <laughs> that it needs video game levels for RP brains to wrap around the fact that Steroid McDeath can win a fight with fucking Hemophilia Janet over there, okay? It's... It's not helping. I I thought you were about to use the word soy. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for it. No, I'm a... If stand-up gave me anything, it sort of punts me away from stock phrasings a lot. Oh, fair enough, yeah. Enjoy that from your comedy classes, kids. It's not just the fact that it's not needed most of the time, but... Mm -hmm. This is... It's literally a distancing device, which is fine when it's something that needs more distance but i'm already 
in a fantasy world with wooden characters. I don't need more distance from your material. I need reasons to give a fuck. From where I am standing, the idea of the power level, right, Mm -hmm. is there to tell me something. It's there to tell me that character A is more powerful than character B. Or despite the fact that character B is at least ostensibly more powerful than character A, it is now uh, surprising and dramatic that character A has prevailed nonetheless, right? Right. Those are the two contexts that you see power levels used in anime. Uh, And in both contexts, you could have just shown me instead. (laughs) That is... You could have done a little bit more fucking work. Uh, So maybe it's a time saver thing, right? Maybe this is one of those... The real problem is the manga industry sort of things where, you know, you have such a tiny amount of time to sell your shit and you do not really have the luxury of being able to, you know, build your characters and illustrate in such a way that, okay, here's character A, Mm -hmm. you know, he's got this set of abilities and there's character B with this set of abilities and it can be reasonably understood that A could wipe the four with B, right? And it is perhaps dramatic when that does not occur when the two of them get into a fight, right? It, Maybe you can convince me that this is a time thing, that you have to prove your case to your publishers and to the popularity polls first. And the easiest, fastest way to do that is to say... This guy's number is 77, and that guy's number is 43. I think you actually raise an interesting point about this particular sort of trope relates to the pressure you like, often find. I do wonder if it's market week. forces. I, I wonder if all of these sometimes are market forces. I mean, they are to some extent, but we're looking, I guess, an individual manifestation of it. I think power levels are, like, sort of a hack for character development, right? Yes, exactly. And I guess you could call that a partial side effect of every chapter of your comic feeling like it has the pressure of like a a tv show pilot to grab the world's attention Mm -hmm. and try to hold on to it which is a dark way to live the counter argument that i have found to my own little devil's advocate thing that i that i I do sometimes is that being like an adjusted adult and considering the idea you might be wrong what a weird fuck you are (laughs) the worst part is it does make you a weird fuck people don't do that anymore it's all about tripling down on your fucking opinions at this point. But go on. Uh, I don't have the fucking energy to triple down anymore. <laughs> Double, maybe. One, once every couple of months. Oh, man, I'm afraid of tripling down now. I was a Dave Chappelle fanboy. I'm just worried it's in me. No, I, I completely get that. I... The whole fucking Warren Ellis question. I just live down and I wonder... Maybe I am the baddies. Because to like but, to this day, he still is my favorite comic book right. author. But yeah. Anyway, right. So so on the on the other side of this question, right on the other side of the well, you know, they do it because they gotta, because otherwise they get canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know they're not like making their case for why you should read this fast enough, or like why you should be into this cool dude right here. His power level is one hundred. That doesn't fucking matter. Uh, that that that's almost completely arbitrary. Uh, you know, because you know, at the end of the day, he could be total fucking ponce, and you're still telling me that his power level is one. Whatever. So you could you could make that case right there. 
But then, you know, you've got plenty, plenty of pretty successful shonen out there, mm-hmm. fighting shonen too, that, you know, doesn't fucking do that. <laughs> fucking Chainsaw Man, for instance. Thing of fucking beauty. Chainsaw Man, like, really, really makes you, makes you do the work yourself whenever there is a square up, right? It yeah. makes you think, okay, what have I seen from this guy? And what have I seen from this chick? Who's got this? And then, you know, it'll surprise you by, uh, okay, so here's this character. You've never seen them do anything before. Uh, how are they going to be in a fight against this dude right here? And the uh, the result of this uh, that I've kind of been obliquely referring to is the Bomb Girl arc, which is the best arc of Chainsaw it Man. It is indisputably the best arc of Chainsaw Man. Like, I'm... Glad he got to tie a lot of his sort of long-term ideas together of the whole Makama reveal, but the bomb girl thing is so pitch perfect it's the like entire every, time. It's like every single thing about that, it, it, it's it's like hearing a fucking Beethoven symphony, just and every single fucking musician it has been doing this for 30 years, they, they can do this it's, in their sleep. It, it is something else. Since we're on power levels, I'm just looking at our list, and I think the next one sort of closely tied to the tendency to do that. Sure. In fact, I would call it almost an inbreeding of it. A distillation? Diegetic RPG mechanics, which is particularly strong. And what was the vampire bodyguard one that I almost killed myself during? Dance of the Vampire Pond, yeah. So, Jesus Christ. But I... I just... Re- I, so, it's not the RPG mechanic shit that I remember from that particular anime. Although I can't... I cannot imagine... Oh, I'm thinking of the assassin thing, actually. Which vampire assassin thing? Like, they have classes, and there's the assassin, and the girl's a priest or something, and it's a high school, and he's her bodyguard, but he's also, they're also sort of visibly lusting after each other. This sounds awful. We did an episode on it. Oh, are we talking about, um... It's like Assassin's Pride. Assassin's Pride, that's the one. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> God, what a fucking trash show. Uh, yeah, no, Assassin's Pride, I was thinking about Dance in the Vampire Bone, which is, um... Gross. Just super fucking gross. I don't remember there being really any RPG mechanics in it. It was just super fucking like, no, you're not 800 years old. <laughs> you're fucking 11. He's like, you could tell that to the fucking jury, and I like, guess. You could, you could tell me, you could tell me up and down that you're 800 years old, but you're still taking your clothes off. Like, no matter how many times you run that dialogue down the screen, when the FBI <laughs> opens my computer and sees this screenshot, if, I'm going to wake up in a cell with, an, with a boot-shaped impression in my stomach. That's the thing. If a show is making me think that there's someone else in the room with me and there's not, uh, that's a show that I probably am not going to watch a second episode of. Yeah. Okay. But I want to get... But diegetic RPG mechanics. Uh, I think for this... more, refer to the uh, the uh, Purgatorio episode about uh, about Isekai. Yeah. And it brings me back again to this thing where... Distancing devices are basically being deployed at random in places that might not need it. And first off, when you go back to just a lot of video gamey references in media, early on... These things really appeared a lot more in kind of like lifestyle comedies that are basically set in the real world and could use that distance for humor. I'm saying when you are in a fantasized context, there's no fucking point. That, okay, look, I, I know I'm being super workshop prescriptive right now mm-hmm. because I'm fucking right. And you know it. Maxwell Jacob Friedman cited. And... <laughs> 
I think as far as weeb shit goes, I do tend to be a little bit more prescriptivist rather than descriptivist, yes. But also, the reason I also get at this is that when I see how it's used in things like Assassin's Pride or whatever the fuck it's called, I don't care. I think it annoys me, like, they're in the middle of a fight scene talking about their classes and shit as if, I don't know, a priest would burst into flames if he just shot someone with a crossbow like a rogue or whatever the fuck. A, just because the logic train there just sort of derails. But B, it shows a kind of inbreeding where it's not based on what is good or fun to write or watch, but I keep using the term inbreeding because you're literally doing it because you saw it somewhere else It's also super- rather than any artistic impulse. It's also just, like, on a pretty elemental level, just, like, super just fucking not cool. Like, <laughs> like, I know, like, not cool is used in a sort of, like, oof, that was problematic kind of context these days. But not cool, I mean, like, literally, I look at this and think, wow, like, I wish that this were cool. Or, like, this is not cool. This does not make me feel cool when I watch it. This makes me feel like I'm watching a couple of fucking insecure high school nerds talk <laughs> shit about one another's Magic the Gathering decks. Mills for punks, he shouts across the room. I was beating around the bush there. It's fucking lame. It's lame and... I don't know, life dumps lameness on us enough in its own ways. Just little losses and failures and headlines about the Supreme Court. Do I need more lameness in my entertainment in any kind of unmanaged way? No, and it's why... It is my my primary issue with, like the fate series too is because i think they were the ones who popularized it pretty sure like fate's been around since almost 20 years now mm-hmm. i want to see isekai's only been around for like 12 i would call even though it's not an isekai fate is responsible for essentially the the creative yeah. and the creative aesthetic and fan base sort of elements that that shit lives off of now. Yes, and I think I neglected to mention that in you know the, the Isekai episode, and I I honestly should have like I should have done a little bit better research because a whole lot of you know the sort of milieu I guess <laughs> that uh, that Isekai involves itself in came from the Fate series and the idea that everyone has fucking classes and abilities and bullshit like this. It's like the, the Gawain and the Green Knight of the fucking fantasy genre. Exactly. No, it's it's like a fucking Fire Emblem. It's like I'm watching fucking like a game of Fire Emblem. Like, <laughs> and it went from watching a game of Fire Emblem to watching a game of Dragon Quest. Either way, I'm watching someone else play a fucking video game and I'm wondering why the hell I'm sitting here. Yeah. Alright, so I'm going to take us out of the... Uh zone of violence into your third notch here sure sort of returning to an earlier point so this might be a shorter one but the waifu it might even pay to say specifically the modern waifu because there has sort of been a change right yeah because i think i don't know i look back at how they used to do shit in like oh my goddess which was a boring thing that i was not into anyway but well you know maybe not boring what's the oh my goddess was boring it was just not my thing but mm-hmm there really seems to, and maybe this is a generational change or just a change in fucking Pornhub tags over time, mm-hmm. but it's kind of interesting that the sort of modern wife who has shifted from like sort of these triple idealized figures, like this I dream of genie kind of lady who comes down and takes you on a wild adventure and solves your fucking problems. Yeah. And it's interesting now that... And I said in the previous episode, they're they're all like a sex doll, but and single flaw. 
I, I do think that he's getting just, a little it, bit sneakier. Yeah. And I don't know if that's evolution. I can't... Is that even worse? Maybe this is... I mean, it's more... I think this has gotten more common and sneaking its way into more shit. More insidious, certainly. More, ins- more insidious. But I, if I would give them any credit, I would say at least maybe they are less blunt than I am a Norse goddess who is here to solve your problems and cook your food. Yeah, maybe... If we're talking about only the context of, you know, your your all my goddess. I'm gonna get a letter bomb for shitting on all my goddess this much. Fucking odd. Maybe I should go back to Tenchi Muyo for this shit. Cause his whole story is alien goddess. Yeah, in Tenchi Muyo, like all the you know, like they were really just lust objects for you, the viewer. Yeah, and we've and, gone from the lust Ubermensch mm-hmm. to like lust living failures. <laughs> To go to Bloodborne, so to speak. <laughs> and that's interesting to me. I don't know if it just means our standards have gone down. Are people just losing hope and faith in themselves? Like, if people just used to believe... I mean, yes, broadly. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've gone from the generational change of, like, fucking... <laughs> fucking people that believed in themselves to people who are reading PUA guides to just start to say it just tells you like try to look for a girl with a personality disorder who can you can just sort of <laughs> clasp on to for the next 10 years until she figures your shit out and you move on to the next mark <laughs> and is, is that the psychological difference between your Tenshi Muyos and your I, the time I am manga artist was abducted by some Yandere bullshit I don't know I, I have this idea that, no, I was about to say that I had this idea that there was an idea at one point that you actually would go outside and touch grass, you know, with this, <laughs> you know, newfound knowledge. Um, I don't think that's true, though, right? Because as early as the mid-1990s, you know, we had Shinji Ikari as a character, as a critique of, like, this type of fucking person. You know, yeah. as this sort of, uh, this critique of, uh, escapism, and, God, I've, I've never been so... Fucking ruthless, too. I've never been so on a creator's page as I have been, uh, on Hideaki Anno's page. Honestly, throughout his fucking career. I admired that guy a lot. He... You can honestly just feel his hours just punching the sandbag in the basement, mastering the crap. Just... Oh. Punching the sandbag that has a picture of his face on it yes <laughs> just taped on <laughs> no i <laughs> he fights himself come back up and says you should see the other guy <laughs> somehow he is also covered in bruises <laughs> it's yeah. not very clear how this happened no but it, it, it kind of it somewhat speaks to the fact that the ultimate thesis of, you know, Rebuild of Evangelion was go the fuck outside. <laughs> go be in nature. Plant, plant rice in a rice paddy. Hang out with people. Talk to folks. You know, if you listen closely to a Cruel Angel's thesis, you hear a touch of grass kudasai. <laughs> it's a nice feature. And how... They resolved, you know, the whole 20-year-long sort of, um, is it 20, almost, no, 25-year-old unresolved romantic arc between Shinji and Asuka by saying, 
yeah, that shit was kind of for kids. <laughs> like, nah, bro. Like, yeah, you're hot and everything like that, but I want to be an adult, and so do you. <laughs> Just a smiling adult. It's it's a good place to be. So, there's a good arrangement on this list, by the way. Good job, Sandboy. Because right after the waifu, the modern waifu, I would say, because mm-hmm. I'm super interested in this degeneration into the living failure archetype from the bewitched archetype. I, I find bewitched to be a funny point of comparison because A, it's obviously from a completely different cultural context than yeah. anime, but just illustrates just the, she was like a chesty blonde with magic powers and her husband just existed. Yeah. Was it him who got like replaced by some other actor? I don't know if it was the bewitched one or I Dream of Genie one, but it was one yeah, of Yeah, it was one of those shows. <laughs> They made that show twice. That's so fucking incredible to me. Like, there's no fucking difference. I think it was Bewitched. Incredible. But you want to talk a bit about um, Blandy McBlanderson, Hero of Time. This one has been around for a while. Um, but the thing is, is that you don't show, you don't really notice as much, right? Because these characters are never that well remembered because of how fucking bland they are. I think I'm starting to understand why I'm becoming more sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's like the difference between... I've seen what better looks like. You've seen what better looks like? And I think in how we handle this, I mean, all creative stuff is a, is a sort of balancing act. Oh, wait, hold on. But you know how... We were just using shorthand to describe this. This, yeah. like, for context, is, you know, when you have, you know, this whole big high concept series with, you know, this big, huge cast of, you know, interesting characters who've been, you know, like, designed to death often, and then the main character is, like, this fucking brunette without a personality, and his name is, like, I don't know, Shin or something like that. Yeah. Uh, And uh, he doesn't really do anything besides being nice and kind of determined or something (laughs) like that. Your, uh, your, it has gone to the point where your someone toes of the world ever calls me nice or determined. I think I would just take it as like they were fucking with me, like it was some kind of insult. <laughs> I use the term inbreeding a lot when it comes to creative stuff, and to me, it feels like the idea of the everyman inbreeding. Yes, like they saw Luke Skywalker and learned all of the wrong lessons from it. Exactly, fucking Mundo. And what I was going to say is that it's a lot like another trend. To me, it's a lot like the media's relationship with sort of the Mary Sue concept. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult because ultimately, it's hard to admit this, the line between a Mary Sue and a cool guy is basically confidence on the creative team. Sure, yeah. And I think this is just it coming from the aspect of the everyman thing. And maybe I guess it's just a sign that the everyman kind of character or trope is becoming more important to people. I don't know if you put that on audiences or creators. I think I put it on the creators a bit more than audiences because the Everyman thing is kind of, a, is in some ways a bit of a narrative fact. That's also kind of why I love Full Metal Alchemist because Edward Elric is, is not... not a fucking Everyman. I was going to bring up Edward Elric. He is a right? very particular but dude. He's, he's like, there, there's nothing about him that's supposed to be just like you. If anyone yeah. is supposed to be kind of like the reader, it's maybe Alphonse or something like that. And Alphonse is fucking... I know. Al- Alphonse a is fucking like... disembodied soul trapped in <laughs> like a suit of armor. So he's not that much like you. I don't think Alphonse is even a little in Everyman. He's like a genius teddy bear. That's not a bad way of putting it, sure. I just, yeah, because here's the thing. The fucking great shit out there 
never ends up having Blandy McBlanderson as its protagonist. Yeah. At most, they will have a subversion of that archetype. Like, you know, say Kion from Suzumiya Haruhi, right? Yeah. Who, you know, sort of likes to call himself boring, very much isn't, you know, they build a whole lot of personality into that guy. But I'm talking about when you, you know, your big, like, tentpole adventure-ass series, right? For instance, yeah, we were just bringing it up, Full Metal Alchemist, right? Yeah. There is nothing normal or average or anything about Edward Elric. Yeah, very and he ends particular up being one pers- of the best sort of uh, or oh, uh Spike Spiegel, right? Yeah. Nothing normal about that fucking dude right there. And think about how much those series benefit from these guys having very particular styles and personalities and perspectives, knowing what they're going to do when they're thrown into a situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that just the lesson to be carried from this is it's tempting to use a sort of hack so you can focus more on all this crazy shit in this world you built around them and I get that impulse but on the other hand when you make something this wide ranging or big in scale or scope or narrative do you know who we're gonna spend a lot of fucking time with? the protagonists yeah and it really helps when they have some of that seasoning well what I always hated is that like when you have this protagonist and the idea is that yeah, here's this guy. Who cares about him, though? You're here for the waifu. So many of, of the waifu younger targeted... sometimes. So many of the younger targeted series use that setup where it's... This magical girl with every superpower except throwing a right hook. And her lame dipshit bodyguard dude. <laughs> and I'm just like this setup that could... Just teach her to box. Just to box and, like, either get rid of this guy or make them both interesting, maybe. No, like, I'll take either one of them. I'll take point. either one of them. Like, I will, you know, I will live. Fuck it. Resurrect the Aeon Fluxes and Red Sonias of the world. Oh, sure. Fine. Yeah. No, I have no problem with that. It'll be, it'll be interesting. <laughs> like, there did not have to be some fucking asshole, like, sitting there being... For whatever reason, a lust object for, you know, this character. Yeah, and when it comes to those relationships, look, you have to understand, even if the people you are pandering to are not necessarily, let's call it romantically successful or whatever, they still have some idea of how human attraction and relationships work, and... I don't do they? A lot of people reading your work have some idea how human attraction relationships work. Let's say a plurality of people le- reading your work. A major parliamentary party, okay? <laughs> like the Liberal Democrats. The Liberal Democrats. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it benefits you for those people to look at your central relationship and have it make any fucking sense to them. Hmm. That is a thing. Also, if you're not going to write your main character, then don't put a fucking central relationship in there. It's just fucking taking up space at that point. Yeah, that's a that, that's a good fucking point. Like, you like, like I like I would rather not have there be you know a main romantic subplot to your you know your your fun action adventure thing if like one of the characters is fucking cardboard because at at that point it almost feels like you know the main female protagonist who actually received any amount of characterization, character design, right, that he is paired with. It's, it's, I don't know, it feels like he's being used as some fucking human sex toy, and it feels <laughs> as though, like, she is being used as a sex toy for the reader, too. 
It's this weird fucking two-way objectification that just feels gross and sterile. Yeah, like, I I don't recommend making a uh, comic about a uh, walking sex toy unless you make one about a sentient tango, which would be fucking fascinating, I'm sure. In like a uh, Kafka kind of way. Or it's prison school. Or it's prison school, in which case I just sort of saluting and hearing six different national anthems blaring in the background, harmonizing somehow <laughs> as one. We're still big boosters of uh, that whole thing. It's so fucking hilarious. So next one on our uh, handy list here, and um, let's see. All right, this one's... This one is one that sort of is just keeps metastasizing by 2% more every year. Like, it's just always fucking there. And it's just that high school is the only acceptable setting for shit that takes place in the real world. And I feel like I am going fucking insane. Do you... There's something I, I didn't find out. I, you know, I've been watching anime for a long time. I started reading some other stuff, and this is crazy. Did you know that there are, like, toddlers and middle school students and people in, like, college... Or people who, like, work or are retired. Do you know that all of these things before and after high school happen? What? I'm, 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 I'm fucking serious. Like, I was just walking outside and there was this place called, like, an elementary school, right? And there were kids, like, just learning things about the world and math and basic social studies and stuff. And I thought, oh, wow, you could even do jokes and stories there and then after i walked away from that i walked by the teacher's lounge and then there were these weird like hairier taller people (laughs) and they were also like interacting and developing as characters and they had different dynamics that i had not seen in the uh normal world high school the normal world stories and it was fucking insane i was watching young justice earlier today yeah. And I was thinking about just over the course of this show that's been on the air for like 10 years now. Well, on and off the air for 10 years now. And thinking... <sighs> there is about over 80 or so episodes. Mm-hmm. Five minutes or so of screen time that takes place with people in a classroom. And you get to have... You know, your relatable teenage characters in this pretty constructed world that they live in, right? With all sorts of world building all over the place. And they get to have, you know, fun adventures and powers and everything. Yes, I know it's a superhero show. A lot of the work was already done for them, you know, at the outset. I, I, I get it. It's cheating just a little bit. But your viewers, right, your readers... In Japan, that you know, all of this is ultimately written for not me or not you or me, yeah. right? We're approaching thirty slash R thirty in America, not the intended art audience, but the intended audience. I do have to imagine that they have lives outside of school <laughs> as well. You know, it's just possible. I barely... And like, it's not that I have any intrinsic problem with a show taking place or a manga taking place in a school setting. That's okay on the surface. It's just that, like, when practically... Not even, like, an entire genre, but half the fucking medium does. 
Yeah, you know, that, uh... Slightly approaches madness. I mean, this this whole problem here disgusts me way less than others. It's mostly just annoying and bland and safe. There's not something deeply intellectually offensive with me. It just feels like something I've seen over and over again, and I've almost become... It, it, it almost just dissolves what's happening into static. Yeah. Which is, you know... I like to assume that's not the tone you're going for in your work. Because I'm thinking of, I don't know, like two or three shows that I've watched over the last, you know, 10, 15 years or so that didn't have to fucking take place in a school setting, like... Even a little? Not not even a little bit. Uh, you know, because they have all these aspects that exist outside said school setting. Yeah. I mean, hell, fucking, um the hell's it called uh jujutsu kaisen right whatever fucking other issues i have with it you know if you just there's so much to like the world building that he was trying to do right that there doesn't need to be a fucking school there yeah you can kind of feel it weighing it down like i don't know if it has anything to do with the later plot because i sort of tapped out 200 chapters in and don't you people hit me with your fucking final fantasy 13 ass arguments about how 200 chapters in this shit's really gonna start popping off because you've had your time apparently final fantasy 15 was like the opposite of that where it was like great until halfway through that is hilarious it's oh really man fucking funny oh man getting baited switched like that that's gotta i would feel that tapped in my fucking genitals well, I guess we can't say don't listen to feedback. <laughs> oh man. So when it comes to the high school thing though, and you know, I know I get it. The appeal is, you know, you want to appeal to like a young audience, reach out to them, have them see themselves on the page. Now the stock joke is that fucking thirty rock gif of Steve Buscemi. Which applies. It does. But there is a new, grand, flaming train wreck of a failure of a show that was once great, outside the anime context, that makes for a wonderful point of comparison about how I feel about this half the time. Sure. You know how they have tortured and killed NXT? So having given up on uh, Vince McMahon's dying empire a while ago, uh, no. Explain. So they have tortured and killed NXT. It's, um, the big thing is um nxt 2.0 essentially you know the big push is you know you want to obtain a younger audience put more young people on screen put up an aesthetic that young people will relate to is there do they do they have like little instead of promo packages do they just do tiktok compilations or something uh save that one for SummerSlam. but how it comes off is I am just listening to these automatons repeat the Steve Buscemi quote <laughs> like my favorite example sure and to I don't, avoid the Hannah Kimura rule I am sure she could be talented outside of this context sure one girl, Cora Jade, comes out on a penny skateboard that she can sort of ride. Oh, God. With her backwards baseball cap on. 
and then just jobs out to a blonde stripper because that's Vince's types. As always. And this is supposed to pull you, the youth of America, in. Which is to say, there is a difference between putting youthful people on screen and making a product that appeals to the youth. Do you know what high school boys fucking love? Conan the fucking Barbarian. It is just made of 14-year-old catnip. And that guy is... Archetypal Conan is like, what is he, 28? Always seemed to be of a vague age. I kind of put him in his mid-30s. Okay, so even older than I fucking thought. Yeah. But the point is, when it comes to attracting specific age brackets, it's about putting catnip for them. And like, what's that show that... The comedy, okay, I haven't seen the show, but from, from what I can tell, that show Penis or Pen 13 is basically 35-year-old catnip, but it features teenagers. So targeting is not literally about the ages or demographics that people put on screen. It's like putting no. things in No, I, I go back them. to Luke Skywalker here, right? Yeah. Hero of every fucking 13-year-old is <sighs> played by a dude in his... 20s in the first movie i think he's 18 in the first film but like it, yeah. although like at that i don't know it's a maybe, little maybe that's not like a fantastic example but he, he always feels like more of an adult i guess or at the yeah. very least he don't go to school <laughs> so yeah i guess what i'm he's, saying is there's, he's in there's a context more... beyond that yeah there is more to pandering than literally putting people that look a certain way which by the way american studios and your relationship with black people i want to talk about you and that later but that's a whole other <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole other bit of spiteful ass dialogue i'm gonna punt out there so this brings us to our last bullet point here mm-hmm. which i'm going to just read it in sam's words here because i like the wording Lazy world building that amounts to a set of proper nouns slapped onto our world and also power levels. <laughs> I really enjoy that. I think I was watching Noragami once and I was I found it impossible to get past the first fucking episode because of how blatant this was. And I was talking a few episodes ago, or maybe the last couple episodes, about Chivalry of a Failed Knight. And how I, uh, I got an episode and a half into that one, right? And then I tried out Heavy Object, and I got three quarters of an episode into that one. Because all of them, though like slightly different from one another, coming from slightly different places uh, in terms of their inspiration, have the exact same fucking thing in common. Which is like, okay, so imagine the real world, right? Now imagine um, about a dozen or so proper nouns that do not exist in this world, or, I, or do, but not in this context. Now people have powers to, again, proper nouns <laughs> apply to every single fucking thing. Uh, very, very specifically. It's all extremely well-defined. Also, this guy is stronger than that guy because his numbers are better. You were playing World of Warcraft. I think where my brain kind of snaps when that shit happens is that it is often for shit that already feels very familiar and grokkable. Yes. Like, yeah, like, I like, needed, like, you didn't need to do any of this. Like, I needed vocab for stock shit lifted from things we've been doing since the 90s. It's just so fucking lazy. 
And since I'm on a roll with my cross like, media... build the goddamn world. <laughs> or just have it take place in this one, you know, with one or two tweaks. Like, I don't know, like a... Like the, like the Bourne trilogy or something like that. I don't know. No. Since I'm on a roll with my cross medium tweaks, I want to offer another comparison. Mm-hmm. So in the world of long YouTube videos, aka BreadTube, <laughs> or more accurately, the not ContraPoints crowd... Every Diet ContraPoints fucking producer has an accelerated version of a problem that Natalie can get away with because they're a smart person, but most of you cannot get away with because you're not smart people. <laughs> and you know what that shit is? What's that? Coining names for shit that already exists and is pretty grokkable from context. Sure. Now when they do it, it's often funny or inside for something you think about that often. Cool. Dive ahead. And it's paced out across a two-hour video. Now, when your dumbass hits me with four vocab words for things that already exist, like being mean or st- saying the N-word on a daily basis, <laughs> it's not contributing to your thesis. And what I'm saying is, don't bread tube your fantasy setting. <laughs> There's a little bit of a bridge that needs to be built here, but sure, I I I, under, I, I get your point. Yeah. Um. There's like a telekinetic guy shows up and say, "Oh, he's a force weaver." Shut the fuck up. Shut your goddamn mouth. Okay. Kiss my All fucking right, yeah. ass. All right. Yeah. Thank you for bringing it home just now. <laughs> because yeah, no, that's that's the thing. Because whenever this is done, nothing that. None of the actual world building, nothing that is, you know, the di- none of the difference between our world and the world that we see in this is, like, that immensely original, right? Yeah. Like, this dude can set his sword on fire. That means he's a level six flame blade or something. <laughs> and I'm... I'm left with the sense that, oh, cool, you just... So you have, prior to this even being published, in, you know, a notebook or a Word doc somewhere, have just dug this big, dark, smelly fucking rabbit hole (laughs) full of uninteresting bullshit. (laughs) And here you have, like, tried to dangle the carrot in front of me to go down this rabbit hole that you have built of uninteresting bullshit by telling me that he is a level 10 was it 10 i don't care flame blade it was six i have i have good bullshit recall it makes these things even more annoying he's been grinding Uh, (laughs) as though as though there's really anything interesting to be gleaned from going down this pretty artificial rabbit hole that you have dug a rabbit did not build this hole. You did. Yeah, a jackhammer constructed this hole, and then you threw a family of rabbits down there who rabbits generally don't know what's going on, so they're happy to bounce off each other within it, but... It's like an astroturfed rabbit hole. <laughs> like, uh, it's wallpapered with, like, corporate Memphis art style. <laughs> Dude, we need... There, something needs to happen. We need to do something about Allegra. I think it's actually killing human culture. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Yes, among other things. Mm -hmm. Nothing is solely responsible for anything. That's that's a lesson that I've learned over the last couple of years. It can be responsible, but it's not alone. 
<laughs> there should be co-defendants. Exactly. A Rico case. Yeah. Man. Since we opened this episode talking about just good new shit. Sure. Seems to be a lot more possible for just random in-depth historical fiction to survive them before in, in manga. That's cool. I like it, yeah. Golden Kamui. Cool market force there. I have no yeah, idea. Fun. I, I have like, no I, idea why. I love shit like that. <laughs> like I, I don't know, maybe people just resent railroads or something, but cool. <laughs> That's a nice change. We seem to be becoming semi almost kind of nearly almost aware of the consequences of working authors to death. Outside of Shonen Jump magazine. I I don't know why I give them like two books a month. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, if I stopped, nothing would change. But you know, the, the, the collect like when everyone collectively agrees upon that, that is why nothing changes. I I understand that. It's a it's a strange dynamic, man. I don't even have to like his shit, but poor fucking Kubo. <laughs> like he's a bad person because he I does- don't think he's a bad guy. I think he is. Uh... I think he's, you know, a pretty talented draftsman who got overworked, and while not the most uh, inspired storyteller (laughs) of all time, you know, could kind of put a mythos together a little bit, but, you know, not really know exactly what he was going to do with that mythos, but it's not like he really had any option to figure it out, because he had a fucking deadline to hit, and uh, it was going to be either rescue or uh, training. I just think that he's someone who deserved, like, a work week that didn't go above a double-digit number. Yeah, I think, I think Taiji Kubo deserved to sleep. He, he deserved to have slept. Maybe Bleach would have been better. Like, I'll still dunk on it all the live-long day. Don't get me wrong. But Bleach they, is one of my favorite fucking punching bags. I think if that man had slept for eight hours a night, four days a week, there would not have been somebody that could stab himself into your memories of the past. The heart. The heart. <laughs> the fucking heart. What a moment in human history. Dude, did I see what that animated was like? like? Did they just blank the screen and say fuck it? Or did they try to do something like artful to avoid Did they the get shit? that far in the anime? Ooh, that's a good-ass question. The heart. I want to say, I could be totally wrong, I want to say that was during the whole Aron Car thing, and that whole thing did get animated. Okay, yeah, that it is true. I think they... I can't remember if they ended on the, you know, what the fuck was it called? Hundred Year Blood War or ended yeah. right before it? Man, Shonen anime adaptations specifically have been fucking saved by the seasonal jump. Like, the, well, well, let's, let's not, let's not exaggerate. Improved. Let's not exaggerate. Uh, fucking Hiroaka has been saved by the seasonal anime thing. Black Cover was not a good manga and is not a good anime. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is that eternal weekly hell. Mm-hmm. I was surprised in the just difference between like the anime and manga that the fucking manga from One Piece looked like it was made by an actual human being with like thoughts. Yeah. The weekly episode thing does not do good things do to it. adaptation. Do it. Like, like, please don't do it. I, I, I think like the takeaway from. Half of these, you know, little bits of, like, grandfathered and bullshit. Most of them, honestly, is just... 
it's just manga industry stuff. Like I was saying at the beginning of the episode, just most of this is done because that is what sells because that is what an author can use to get his or her, um, series published, uh, series sold to fucking Shonen Jump or whatever fucking magazine and not canceled a dozen episodes in or a dozen chapters in, right? It's like, okay, it's got, uh, this bland-ass protagonist because, uh, people read that and the magazine likes that and I've got this magic system that boils down to a bunch of, like, sterile fucking numbers because... Because I want to eat food this month and... Because I want to eat food and people like that and the magazine likes that. And uh, there's it takes place in this world that's uh, like ours, uh, and it takes place in high school, right? Uh, except uh, there's like these proper nouns uh, present in this world, and I'll tell you about them. And the main female lead, oh man, don't you want to have sex with her? She's a force weaver. She's a force weaver. She likes the. I mean, she really likes the main character. <laughs> and all these things that I have just pointed out, right? Yeah, you can make them the fault of the authors, but at the end of the day, it goes a little bit further than that, doesn't it? Are you saying that one or two modern problems might just go back to the fact that we're all expected to work like pigs until we die? No. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, right, that's crazy. Anyway, this is fucking stupid. Yeah, that's insane. Shut the I, fuck up. This, anyway, this is Weeaboo Hell. It's um, Weeaboo Hell. We love our paymasters. We love cops. Hug 12. <laughs> Smiles and high fives. Oh, hail the status quo. All hail the status quo. Peace.